0: The views expressed in this interview are those of the individuals and do not reflect the official policy or position of the US government, the Department of Defense, the US Navy, or the Naval Postgraduate School. Welcome to the Trident Room, Brewer of stout conversation, unfiltered and on tap. On today's episode, Trident Room host, Carl Flynn, sits down with Colonel Jason Perry. So, sir, um, first of all, uh, thank you for taking the time underneath to join us. Thank you. Um, Very honored and excited to have this opportunity to just have a discussion with you. So, yeah, this will be fun. Oh, I'm excited for it as well. (laughs) So, just to start out, um, I have your bio pulled up from the uh, NPS website. So, all right. um, Commissioned in '94 and then did a platoon commander time in uh, Second Time, First Marines. Correct. And then, just as a side note, I was reading uh, General Jason Baum's book. Was that when you crossed paths with him? back <laughs> I then? I was
1: his executive officer, right? So I did. Okay. I did um, one deployment as a, uh, a platoon commander, and then the second deployment, I was an executive officer and company executive officer, and okay. I was I was General Baum's executive officer at that time. Okay. Got it. Incredibly uh, formative time.
0: I. Coming straight from my platoon commander time, I, I definitely believe that. Um yeah. I just thought it was interesting reading the book and it says First Lieutenant Perry. I'm just like I know a Colonel Perry. That's, I wonder if that's the that, same That, that yeah. would
1: be that would be me. That's right. We were the two Jasons. It was his oh, name is Jason yeah. Baum. My name is Jason Perry. We were the two <laughs> Jasons and uh he actually Captain Bohm promoted me to captain. Mm. Uh he was of course a, a more senior captain and I had been in the battalion for some time. I PCS'd from there to NPS. That's when I came here as a student. Okay. When I finished, uh, when I finished up uh, there in, at Pendleton. Okay.
0: And then, so coming here, you were on the FAO track specifically for Japan, correct?
1: Correct. It was actually uh, the Marine Corps did not have a Japan study track FAO program at the time. The FAO program was kind of an, a newish thing. Okay. And so there was no. There was one officer that was uh, at at DLI had finished MPS. I was the second. I didn't go to DLI, so so uh, I went straight to Japan from here because uh, I came into the Marine Corps with a degree in Japanese. But um, uh, so yes, at the very um, you know call it plank owner at, at the very beginnings of the foreign area officer program, especially as it relates to Japan, came here. Yeah, you know, it's a great experience. That's okay. So. That's very interesting. just another way of saying I'm really, really that old. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I what was interesting to me about that is um, because I so a couple of the other podcast hosts they're also in the FAO program and so oh, they're right. going straight to DLI for their um, respective languages. So I right. think it's interesting that it's like oh well you already speak Japanese so off you go.
1: Yeah, that was kind of I was interested and in. I, like I said I I spent some of my. Uh, I had taken a couple years off while I was in college and, and lived in Japan and, and got fairly proficient at that time and then came back to the U.S. after that two years ended and, and you know, majored in Japanese in, in my undergraduate program, always knowing I wanted to come into the Marine Corps. So I, I came into the Marine Corps after that. And then this this thing called the FEO program came out. And, and, and I hope General Boehm doesn't mind me saying this, but actually talked to, to Captain Boehm at the time about it. He said, Jason, don't do it. You know, <laughs> and he said uh, that's uh, and at the time it really was at the time it was sound advice. And it was it, it's a it, there's a real risk to your career because of the timing issues. And and because the f- the program wasn't really established and it wasn't managed the way we manage it now. And so, you know, Cap, then Captain Boehm's advice was sound. Of course, me as a first lieutenant, I was like, sir, who, who said anything about a career, you know? <laughs> and, uh, so I, um, uh, I, I guess my own peril, uh, went ahead and moved forward with it. And, uh, you know, who knows, maybe, maybe it will end my career one day, but so far it's been okay.
0: <laughs> well, based on, based on everything, looking through your, um, bio, obviously going back to Japan and serving in, uh, multiple capacities, um, yeah which I definitely want to get into later on, but sure. it looks like it definitely um, did a lot of good um, from here up to this point, at least.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we stumbled into it or if it was actually managed from somewhere, on, you know, but um, I, I have, I would say I have been abundantly blessed to be able to both pursue a career as an infantryman, which is my first uh, my first career choice, right, and then to be able to bring in my experiences as a Japan Foreign Area Officer, and those experiences really starting here in Monterey, and uh, and to be able to merge those when it was, when it made sense, and and when it made sense to uh, uh, that I needed to be elsewhere to be able to move on elsewhere, and know that there was a pathway for for me to um to continue to have opportunities to contribute you know which is and 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 so I feel very fortunate
0: absolutely I yeah um yeah definitely a very unique uh ability to contribute in that capacity um just I'm getting a little ahead of myself but just looking through your bio yeah so in terms of your work as specifically the uh in the capacity of being a foreign area officer so Um, You served as the country director for japan asia pacific security affairs yes um from 2004 to
1: 2007. yeah and then that was an interesting little development i could tell you that story it was fun fun how that ended up happening but go ahead okay yeah
0: um so next up um marine corps forces pacific liaison to the japan self-defense forces from 2015 to 2016. that's right that i'm sure there's a lot we can discuss there (laughs) um And then obviously in your capacity as fourth Marines CO, um, I'm sure working with the, not just uh, the JSDF, but also just the local Japanese government on Okinawa as well, I'm sure. Uh,
1: Yes, that (laughs) was what an just amazing experience. Hmm. Yeah. I was, uh, I, I was a captain on the USS Essex in Singapore and, uh, I had orders to a location to go be a, to do a FAO utilization tour, and uh, <clears throat> this was after 9-11. I arrived at the battalion just prior to 9-11, and so after that, it was, I was deployed. I, I think I was on eight—in in the three years I was stationed in Hawaii, I was on Hawaii about eight months. And the balance of that time, I was deployed. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm on the Essex in the wardroom, and the battalion commander comes in and says, Hey, Jason, SecDef wants a seat upstairs
0: all right okay
1: <laughs> Captain Perry so I go up to the deck up to the flight deck and uh it was not in fact the secretary uh, Secretary Rumsfeld. it was it was um the principal deputy assistant secretary of defense hmm. um who was a marine a marine general and uh, I walked up he said uh he said something along the lines of Jason uh we've got some big moves coming up with Japan I want you to come over to OSD and be a part of the team. What do you think? And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm thinking. I got a pretty good gig lined up right now, sir. You know, but what do you what do you say? And I, I said, well, hey, sir, I'm, I'm all in. And uh, and so as we were walking away from that conversation, uh, I looked at the battalion commander and I said, hey, sir, what's OSD? <laughs> <laughs> You say, well, that's the office of Secretary of Defense. So, so short, you know, here I am a captain and I, I, I get assigned to o- o- OSD. They, they kind of created a billet there for me to go and fill. And it was really uh, an interesting time because at the time we were uh, doing what's called a global posture review mm. and realigning uh, under Secretary Rumsfeld's leadership at the time and, and President Bush. Um, we were realigning our forces to deal with more of a global response uh, posture. So, crisis response. This is, um, you know, the the argument that we are currently in a in a post Cold War posture. Uh, we now have global reach capability, and therefore we need to bring realign our forces that are forward stationed in Europe and in Asia. Um, so that we have more strategic flexibility in the employment of those forces, and that we need to leverage the emerging technology that we have. Right. To sounds familiar. Sounds familiar, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this this conversation doesn't it doesn't end. It's and so, and, and so we entered this di- this dialogue with uh, with the government of Japan that uh, to realign uh, our forces in Japan, and also to realign. Japanese force, you know, capabilities in their role in, in the defense of Japan and in, and in regional security. And, and so, uh, it was a really dynamic, really exciting time. I learned a lot. I had no business being there, but, um, but, but, you know, there I was. And, and it was interesting because some of the, some of the tasks at the time, you know, come from company command. I'm writing company operations orders, you know, First Platoon (laughs) sees the right objective, that sort of thing, to to writing U.S. national policy and and negotiating with the interagency, nothing in my experience would have prepared me for that, except for the time that I had spent in Glasgow Hall Mm. at Naval Postgraduate School learning about national security affairs. And and so what do you do when you don't know? When when you don't really know what to do, you you lean on the education you received. And so, um, for me, that that was when you know all of a sudden my NPS education became a lot more uh, a lot more relevant. So it was uh, it was really a formative uh, time, but a great experience. Never worked so hard in my life. I don't know if that's true, but it was an awfully busy.
0: I time. I can imagine going from. Straight from the tactical to national level that That's would be right. yeah yeah so looking at your bio, so if i understand this correctly, your were your rifle company commander in two three
1: correct rifle okay. com- well i did three deployments because 9 11 happened and we were gone so i did a uh, counterinsurgency deployment down in the philippines um, mm. we set up a, a, a task force and worked with some uh, special operations folks some army dudes uh, army folks down in uh down in the southern philippines initially and then uh and then subsequent deployment as a rifle company commander and then third deployment as a weapons company commander okay right so really fortunate
0: yeah that's definitely a a large breadth of experience so when you say the southern philippines i assume like mindanao area
1: yeah i was specifically on basilan island and then and then i had detachments up in zamboanga and places like that doing doing you know this was at the very early days of our counterinsurgency efforts after 9-11 so this would have been early you know spring of 2002 time frame
0: right right that's yeah uh, just as an aside i remember at tbs i mean so i went to tbs in 2018 and obviously iraq and afghanistan were everyone had studied and learned about that but then sure. one of the instructors was talking about the philippines i'm like the philippines what what are we doing in the philippines and then that was right after the battle of marawi so that was a uh, very eye-opening so very interesting that right. that's very much still a an active part of yeah um,
1: so, that's right yeah the, I mean the, this the um uh yeah we had we had some uh you know assistance to Philippine forces going on down there and, and I was fortunate to be a a rifle company commander that got to go out there with a, some construction uh some CBs, Navy mm-hmm. CBs, and a company of marine engineer support uh battalion folks and we created a a naval construction task group, so really kind of a you know naval integrated uh, counterinsurgency, being um, you know not necessarily out closing with and destroying the enemy, but but um, enabling civil government to govern and and enabling local security forces to secure and so it was uh it was really the beginnings at the time anyway it was the beginnings of what would what we were uh what would eventually continue to develop through uh, you know our experiences in iraq and 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 afghanistan into a pretty mature counterinsurgency um and coin strategy and and tactics and so uh we there was a lot to learn but uh but it was a good experience
0: I don't know. and now now that I'm thinking about it, so that that was just uh, after um the kickoff of OEF, but OIF hadn't even started at that.
1: Correct. Point. No, it was kind of the only thing from a ground perspective because OEF, of course, we were we were conducting uh, operations uh, up in Afghanistan, I think, but OIF had not kicked off yet, so mm-hmm. it really was kind of the 9/11 had happened, and we were we were kind of. Okay, what's next? And everybody was kind of in a hold. Mm-hmm. We know we know something's going to happen, but we don't know what. Uh this opportunity came up um for 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 us to go and and uh and do this and it was uh it was uh it was good. It's good.
0: fair enough. So looking ahead, um so obviously we discussed a little bit about going straight from company command to working for the undersecretary of defense. Yeah. So it was 04 to 07.
1: Yeah, that's a learning curve like you write about, you know I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's For, right.
0: for sure. Um, then straight to Battalion XO for 1-7. So good right. old 29 Palms.
1: Loved it. <laughs> I tell Marines all the time, and I'd say this to anybody, but I've got two favorite duty stations in the Marine Corps, and uh, it's Okinawa and 29 Palms. And, and I enjoyed my time at Pendleton, and I've enjoyed my time I, I, you know, a couple – Pentagon and I couldn't say that that was enjoyable but it was good it was good you know satisfying work certainly yeah. uh but um but uh boy 29 Palms what a what a wonderful place I truly enjoyed it
0: I I will say so my for my comparatively limited experience I've been to third LAR in 29 Palms back there yeah oh yes uh-huh. and obviously you know the desert is perfect for a mechanized forest. type force sure. and then my only other experience is Okinawa, yeah. and then a little bit in Camp Fuji. Um, but you were
1: up at Camp Schwab there in Okinawa. That that wonderful place. A little, absolutely, a little, little isolated up there, but uh, but still. Yeah, I I, uh, I really enjoyed my time. I was fortunate. I got to go, I went to one seven out of the Fletcher School. I went to Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy in in uh, at Tufts University just for a year between between OSD and 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 back to the fleet, but. Uh, executive officer at one seven and we we trained up and deployed to iraq and i was in a little place just outside of fallujah and garma there and uh and had a great experience Uh, it was good it was kind of toward the end of things we were winding down we were we were really turning things back over and transitioning uh, back over to iraqi forces and then uh, i came back and within six months the regimental commander who had was now forward deployed to Afghanistan called and said, Hey, uh, um, I need an opso. So the, the current opso had been selected for command and he needed to get back. And I was, uh, I was hanging out in 29 palms, recovering from the deployment and kind of running things with the with the, art the remain behind element there and, uh, keeping, you know, keeping the lights on for the regiment while it was gone. And, uh, and, probably one of the most challenging periods of my career i would offer then was going out and and uh and operate being the operations officer for the regiment for rct7 in southern helmand so
0: a, a couple questions there so sure. uh you said you were in uh garma is that correct Mm-hmm. is that so again quick aside um have you by chance read When the Tempest Gathered? Uh, by... I have. Okay, so it's. Um... I'm
1: writing it down, though. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it's um, Colonel uh, Andrew Milburn just retired a few years ago. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And he. I, he's The way it was spelled was karma k with a K. Is yeah, that the same
1: thing? Yeah, the Iraqis, the, the way they. I, well, I don't know. I mean. Oh. Okay. I, if it was Japanese, I could tell you how <laughs> it was pronounced. But, <laughs> Fair uh, enough. But yeah, yeah. G- Gatama, k- karma, karma. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. He must have. When he was there, he must have either been right before, or right after you, because I'm trying to remember exactly. Right what before that us, was.
1: we ripped with him. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And we we ripped relief in place. We conducted a relief in place with his battalion. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Very inter- for all our listeners, very interesting man by the way. If, uh, keeping up with what he's doing today, especially, um, uh-huh. might be eye opening what he's doing over uh, with the Mozart Group. But yeah. anyway, um, so moving on. So so from what was it two thousand four Right after 2007, after you got back from OSD, mm-hmm. going straight to being a Battalion XO and then right. straight into being uh, the OPSO for RCT-7. So it was 2008 to 2009 as an XO and then 2009 to 2011. So total of, math for Marines here, four or five yeah. years?
1: Well, th- three years at 7th Marines and then, and then PCS, but then assumed command at 2-5 and went right back to Afghanistan.
0: And this was all back-to-back-to-back to back to
1: back operational. Oh, huh? no, yeah. It was a... Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I've my wife about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: sure she was thrilled. <laughs> yeah, because
1: it was... I mean, y- yes, it was... Um, look, it was challenging, uh, but but it was... Uh, I, I, it's what we need... I, I don't know. I, I never never felt like it was uh, onerous. It was always... It was always... It was the mission. It's what we needed to be doing. And so, I, you know went to iraq came back and was was happy to serve it with the remain behind element but going out to afghanistan was uh so this was interesting because you know you talk about just the human dimension of war mm. and uh i know you know here at naval Post Graduate school we, we focus a lot on the uh, on the science but what we shouldn't forget that there's the art and the science of, of war and a lot of the science of war has to do with humans and, and the human dimension. Certainly does. Um, of course, regiments were doing one-year deployments. Uh, here, I had been in Iraq and came back for a few months, got a little bit of a, a breather, and then and then deployed and linked up with the regimental staff as the opso. I uh, was a major still at the time, but uh, as the opso in the middle of their deployment, and they had they had been running. 100 miles an hour i mean they were going and and so then i got there halfway through this and really kind of had to pick up with all this momentum they had and and to insert myself as 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 an operations officer and fortunately just had some fantastic people around me who helped orient me on the problem sets and 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 just took care of things that um that needed to be taken care of where I where I didn't have all the background that the rest of the staff had. And yet and yet I was driving this mm-hmm. staff from you know the operational side of it. And uh, that's where you really just saw the whole team come together. And you know, I truly believe that we all bring weaknesses. We all bring uh, strengths to the team. And 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 uh, when we value people for the strengths they bring and then and then accept um, accept everything else and 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 as a team we all end up covering each other's backs and that's where the real strength in unity of effort comes um is that is that recognition the the differences we bring to the table are our strength so that's
0: wow so so there's there's a there's a few different points i wanted to i want to dig in there um so Looking at so you'd so you'd said I mean, going straight from being battalion XO to an RCT opso, um, you'd mentioned that it never really got onerous, and so just to keep in mind, so obviously as you mentioned, this I, time and frame. And by that I
1: mean, I always felt I had purpose. Oh, it was it was important stuff we were doing. I thought
0: absolutely, absolutely challenging.
1: Just, yes, you, weighty. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But, um, but not not burdensome in the way of I don't want to be here or anything know, I can definitely
0: believe that because if I'm if I have my timeline straight here so this was when you were as you'd mentioned when you were an XO for the one seven this is when things are starting to turn over to the Iraqis correct in nine oh nine but then going into Afghanistan I mean if you just look at if you just look at a chart of NATO casualties in Afghanistan like 2010 2011 it really yeah, starts Yeah, that's up. right. Yeah,
1: so keep in mind, this is Southern Hellman, which was kind of the main effort at the time. Mm-hmm. We were we were trying to... The, the river, the Hellman River, with a series of, you know, um, uh, population centers and, and a place called Marja. Mm-hmm. And so we were really fighting our way through um, Marja and then trying to close what we called the Fish Hook, this area in, in Southern Hellman along the river there. And so you have... Um, you know, some phenomenal battalion commanders there who were, um, uh, who were pushing hard on, on expanding that security bubble and opening up economic opportunities in these population centers. And which meant that across all of our lines of effort, you know, all of our, all of our, both security and economic and schools and, and, uh, all the things that needed to come together to make a viable community um, all, we were pushing on all that on all fronts at all times. And so it was a very different a very different deployment from from a, between the Iraq deployment, the o nine deployment and the ten deployment. right, right, right. But I would say that experience was so formative for me because the, that later that year when I, in, in eleven I took command of two five. Second Battalion, Fifth Marines, and uh, you know immediately was told you well, your you know your your deployment will be back to Afghanistan and and the uh, the amount of I don't want to say confidence in a in an arrogant way but the amount of um, it it was assuring to know that that okay seen this before mm-hmm. um, it was two five had not been to Afghanistan we were not on a an Afghanistan rotation, so I had, um, uh, so we were we were really reorienting from the Mew, uh, as a Mew dedicated battalion to, to reorienting onto an Afghanistan problem set, and this time we went up north, mm. and uh, and when I, well, we got back to Musakala and Nalzad, which was my my districts were in Musakala and Nalzad, so north of Sangin and and um, a little further out west, and so. I had in my own head a, a fairly clear appreciation for what needed to happen and how we could approach it in a deliberate way and and uh and I again had a wonderful staff that just supported me and um uh, and really gelled as a, a team and and so it was uh the, the that time in Southern Hellman with with RCT7 and seeing the, you know, the leadership in, the, in those, each of those battalions that came through and fought in support of, you know, in the, in the regiment. And then to take those examples and to be able to, in my best way, apply those, the things that I saw, the examples I saw in the, you know, at the time, Lieutenant Colonel Ben Watson, who now has 1st mm-hmm. Marine Division and... Then Lieutenant Colonel Kyle Ellison, who's at McWill now, and who I got to serve with at Third Marine, uh, at, at Third Marine Division at Three mm-hmm. Um just some fantastic examples of what right looks like.
0: I yeah that, going from being at the RCT level to being a battalion commander, yeah, th- seeing what all the battalions were doing and what was working, and then things that huge. I'm sure could be improved, but just yeah, huge. across the board, yeah, huge, yeah. Uh, um, so t- two things, just remember. Uh, make sure I have my history straight. So Marja, that was the first like large operation where the ANA was integrated into working with uh, U.S. forces, correct?
1: Yeah, they were. The, the, so I got there after the initial push into Marja. So I, mm. I, I did not plan the initial push into Marja. Um, but yes, there okay. they, they were uh, the ANA were, were brought into the planning process um the government the the government of marja what it would look like was um initially formed outside of marja and then brought in to marja Uh, so it really was kind of a holistic uh not just the tactics of uh you know secure we say clear clear hold build uh, you know that that construct but it was You know plan the plan the build during the secure phase and during the planning phase so looking at all all the requirements that would be needed and um and then you know just it was it was um defended and so a lot of uh, a lot of fighting but but then as things settled back in uh you know you saw a lot of uh, good people in marja making uh you know building their own communities up and mm-hmm. and and it, it came with its challenges of course but uh but it was good it's good to see
0: post rct so that was 2011 so then you said then two five, commander 2-5, right, that's right that's back right Afghanistan that's yeah. right you were up in uh Nauzad,
1: correct right so we had two districts in, in for my battalion okay uh, yes so i i primarily um yes, so we had we had command and control in both Nalzad, in the in the little village center there and then in in right down in the middle of Musakala which is which is just adjacent to Nalasat
0: okay mhm and then Musakala that was a fairly big population center yeah right, it's pretty big pretty. Okay. yeah sure was mhm that...
1: it was right on the edge of a place called Zemindwar which is which is a pretty um significant kind of um, i'd say Taliban but uh you know economics a lot of, a lot of their a lot of their uh, poppy development and stuff like that came out of that area, so yeah, it was pretty. Yeah, I looked at my map, and and uh, Sangin was really tough, and I, I didn't, I did I wasn't down in Sangin, I wasn't fighting down there, but uh, I, looked, I was a little further north of that, and so everything northeast and west of me was was red. Mm. <laughs> I could look south and see the Georgians down south of me, and then, and then another, my, and then one seven, my old battalion one seven, uh, at the time down in Sangin. Uh, so uh, everything, everything in three directions was kind of, kind of on the red side. So there was no, mm. no shortage of opportunity there.
0: <laughs> Certainly, that's interesting. I didn't realize the Georgians were out there, which I also did not realize until fairly recently. Georgia is not a NATO member, but they were out in Afghanistan supporting they, our efforts out and there. Did
1: phenomenal work. I mean, they were my southern flank. They, yep. they, uh, they I, I interacted regularly with the with the Georgians, and we had some. Um, Anglico and and um, mm. and some you know advisor teams there with them, but uh, they they are some great warriors. Yeah,
0: certainly. Yep. you know many of our allies. Because if so, if I remember correctly, Nalzad that used to be uh, part of the British Army's AO, correct? So was
1: Masakala. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: So was that? Did that turnover happen before you or before you...
1: me? Oh yeah, okay. long okay. long before me. Yeah, that yeah, that whole area um, had been cleared. And then actually RCT-7, before I got there, before I got there on my previous previous deployment, mm-hmm. uh, had gone back up and established a foothold in Nauzad, Um yeah. And that foot area is called the foot, a little big piece of terrain that looks like foot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they had done some operations to clear and hold that. And uh, and then that had slowly expanded through the various battalion rotations. And Musakal was the same way. And we, we, we just... Um, I worked that out and then and then began the process of transitioning uh, to the Afghans. and And so this was always this was interesting for me when you see how uh, all of these experiences kind of culminate because the the experience of transitioning in Iraq was both challenging from a counting all your ash and trash and getting everything turned back in and and closing up the AO and turning it over to a much smaller, Uh, coalition force Mm. um, and turning over responsibility to the Iraqis and the risks that come with that. Right. Uh, I had I had a great example in a battalion commander that I I was able to work with when I was in Iraq to see that portion of it. And then, of course, uh, during the RCT7 experience, the experience of seeing these, you know, heavily engaged battalions um, doing doing great stuff there. And then and then my my deployment as a battalion commander really a culmination of all of those things at once where we were transitioning but we were still having to we had still had a pretty determined threat in the area and so um, you know we had to be pretty capable of both and then I thought I thought um, it was interesting to see how that my experience kind of culminated there in that in that battalion command experience where all of those experiences came to bear to to you know help see us through a successful deployment mm mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of things going on currently because 2011 to 2012, that was, I mean, things are still quite kinetic in that yeah. time oh, yeah. frame. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. It sure was. Yeah.
0: Thanks for joining us in the Trident Room. For more information about today's guest and topics, please visit the show notes. The Trident Room podcast has been brought to you by the Naval Postgraduate School Alumni Association and Foundation. For questions, comments, and suggestions, please email us at Trident Room Podcast host at nps.edu and find us online at nps.edu slash Room Podcast.